to marry or not to marry? That is the question. As Dave Wurtzen will note in his introduction, 1 Corinthians 7 verses 25 and following in the history of the Christian Church has been used to counsel just the opposite of what the original intent of this passage was. We are going to need prayer to work through difficult questions about its meaning. And this is exactly where our Bible teacher begins our study today, asking God to direct us. I'd ask you that your spirit would really touch our hearts concerning some difficult ideas that the Apostle Paul wants to share with us. We ask you, Lord, that each one of our hearts would just stop and be quiet and settle down before you. And most of all, have a desire to listen. I pray that we would put down our guard and that you would help us to just be willing to hear what your spirit would want to teach us. would ask you as we talk about the decision to marry or not to marry and how to use this world and how not to use it and what to do when there's a time of death and a life partner is taken away. As we listen to the Apostle Paul as a very loving, gentle pastor, that you would help us to be able to know exactly how we can apply these same truths in our own lives on this week and on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stress is a killer. In the modern world, stress is probably enemy number one. Are you worried? Have you worried this week? We have marriage stress. We have business stress. We have single stress. We have athletic stress. We have non-athletic stress. We worry about whether or not we should get married. Then after we get married, we worry about whether or not we made the right decision. And then we worry when we are married that maybe we might lose the partner that we're not sure we should have married. And if we do lose that partner, then we worry about whether or not we should ever try it all over again. And those are all the kinds of worries that the Apostle Paul is trying to deal with. 1 Corinthians 7 is one of those amazing passages of Scripture that in the history of the tradition of the church has often accomplished, it seems, in the family of God, exactly what the Holy Spirit didn't mean for it to accomplish. For example, I remember in my own life, when I met Mary and I was about 18 years old, I went back to Houghton College. My dad really didn't know Mary very well. My dad wrote me a long letter about, was I really sure that I wanted this relationship to deepen? And he sent me this passage. David, be sure to read 1 Corinthians 7, 25 and following. Now, as you read these verses, it's one of those strong passages that have argued for the celibate life, for the single life. Now, when you're in love with a beautiful young woman and she's a thousand miles away from you, and you're writing her every day, and your dad suddenly writes you a letter and tells you to read 1 Corinthians 7, 25 and following, it increases your stress. Because if any passage in the Bible wants to make you a Roman Catholic monk, this is the passage. And when you're a young 18-year-old that's in love, the farthest thing in your mind is becoming a monk. So this passage increased my stress. Thankfully, even at the young age of 18, I listened carefully to the voice of the Holy Spirit. In this case, my dad didn't have the voice of the Spirit. 
and we have four kids as a result after we were married. But this passage increased my stress. There's many of you that are single here today. The amazing thing about the next few verses that we're going to study is the Apostle Paul wrote them not to increase our stress, but to decrease it. He wrote them not to put a a heavy burden around our neck. He wrote them to take the burden away. It's once again an example of the need to rightly discern and rightly understand the word of truth. Now, the Apostle Paul begins in verses 25 through 28 by laying before us an important principle. It's a principle that's consistent with the whole chapter, which is arguing that our life in Christ does not mean that we need to make gigantic, earth-changing moves in our social position, in our life position, in our jobs. The fact that we've come to Christ means that we've been called to that moment where we presently are to be used of God there. The Apostle Paul continues that frame of thought when he talks about the fact that a time of crisis, a time of persecution, a time of intense stress is not the time to make major life changes. Now, he begins at verse 25 by talking about his dependability as an advisor. Look at it in verse 25 of chapter 7. Now, about the virgins, he's been talking to us about married couples that are debating back and forth what they should do in their marriage. He's talked to us about slaves that are debating back and forth about their social position. In verse 25, he begins his final section of the chapter, which focuses on the single. And this is specifically the single that's never been married before. He says, now about the virgins, I have no command from the Lord. Now, he's not saying that I'm not inspired at this point. He's not saying you don't need to listen to what I'm saying. But he is stressing that the earthly Christ and the traditions that the Lord Jesus laid down didn't give specific advice on the particular problem the Apostle Paul wants to discuss with the Corinthians at this time. But then he goes on to talk about his own authority. He says this, I give a judgment, you could translate it, I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Now that verse sets the tone for this entire passage. This passage is going to encourage not dependence upon obedience to authoritative commands in this particular situation. Now, I want you to know that as you read God's holy word, that there's large sections that are authoritative commands. Thou shalt not commit adultery. The Apostle Paul would never write, I'm not commanding you about this. I'm just giving you a suggestion. It would be nice if you all didn't commit adultery. The Apostle Paul would never teach like that. He would say, it is the command of the holy God. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Those are rules that are absolute rules. But we as believers have a tendency to feel that God has done that with all of life. That there's a rule for every situation. In fact, there's a lot of security. If you can come here today and you should say, David, should I get married? I'd like to have a counseling time with me. And you say, David, should I get married? And I have a long time of prayer. And I say, well, an inner voice told me you should not get married. You say, good, I will not get married. Or I say, yes, an inner voice told me you should get married. And you can follow my commands. 
In fact, there's many, many churches that that's what the whole church family's built on. A very strong, authoritative teacher that tells them what food to eat, what time to go to bed, when to come to church, when not to come to church. As much as we rebel against that, we love it. We love it. Because it's safe, it's secure, and you can blame somebody else. In fact, that's why people that are in that kind of a church tradition will tend to go in and out of many different churches because they keep getting mad at the authoritative teacher. And the tragedy of it all is they never take responsibility as a mature child of God to realize that they have a will, and that's what gives them the opportunity to have relationship with God And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 is not talking about the big absolutes. He's talking about living skillfully in a troubled time. And he doesn't give absolutes in this case. He gives some suggestions. And he leaves it up to the Corinthians to decide. He corrects some of their false ideas He corrects some of the authoritative teaching that's coming in from the other side that is definitely anti-biblical, but then he leaves a lot of room for the Corinthians to decide. And what I'm going to try to do in the next few minutes is to try to go underneath the Apostle Paul's advice and lay out to you a principle that's undergirding either one of the options that you might have. And he begins by laying forth to the Corinthians that he is trustworthy. He says, as one who has obtained the Lord's mercy, I am trustworthy. I think there's something very important for all of you to see in that. The person that's worth listening to is the person that knows that they're only doing what they're doing by the grace of God. The Apostle Paul, if ever there's a man who was not filled with himself, who was not prideful, who was not enjoying the hold that he had on people, it's the Apostle Paul. If ever there was a man that was strong when he needed to be strong, the Apostle Paul was that man other than Jesus himself. And what you have in this verse is a marvelous insight into his character is that he realized that he was gifted by the Lord. The Holy Spirit had come into his life and given him a special ability to reveal the will of God. But he always recognized that it was the mercy of God. It was unmerited favor. He was a persecutor. He was a man that had even taken the life of believers in his unbelieving days. But God worked a miracle in his life, and the Apostle Paul never forgot that it was all a gift. You see, whenever a spiritual leader forgets that it's all a gift, it's all the miracle of God, whenever he starts to think that he himself is important, and these are the days when the American church needs to be reminded of that. I'm not important in my own strength. None of us are. This church doesn't need any one particular individual that's sitting among us or that's speaking to us. Whenever we think that, we are losing touch with reality. Because it's all of grace. It's all a gift from Him. And how the Spirit moves among a group is always merciful, never obligatory. 
It's always a gracious new gift. And there's freedom in that. A man and a woman that recognizes that never manipulates people. Never puts yokes of burdens upon people that shouldn't be there. They also recognize the worth and the personhood of everybody else. They never try to be God to somebody. They're always focused on the mercy of God. And that's what makes them trustworthy. I want to challenge you again because as you live your life, every one of you lives under someone's authority. Every one of you listen to certain voices. And oh, I plead with you, one of the things that I want to proclaim very forcefully to you is that I want you to choose carefully those that you choose to trust. And the Apostle Paul is one of those men in life that I've chosen to trust. And the longer that I live, the more dependable that I find him to be because he was inspired, breathed upon by the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, I view when I'm teaching the book of 1 Corinthians, the only authenticity that I have, the only authority that I have is when I am on target with what the Holy Spirit was breathing through the Apostle Paul. Not just the words, but the attitudes and the feelings and the approach and the whole way of life that the Apostle Paul was communicating. And so I begin with a reminder. Be sure you're listening to a dependable advisor. And that advisor will never take away your adulthood as a believer. You understand what I mean by that? A wise, dependable advisor will not take away your responsibility, will not take the place of the Lord for you, will not take away your decision-making responsibility. He will give you guidance, but he will also challenge you to take responsibility for your own life because one day every one of us will stand alone before the throne of God and you won't be able to say, well, David made me do it. It's his fault, Lord. The Lord will say, I'll deal with David when he gets up here. What about you? The Apostle Paul never forgot that. And that's what made him such a gentle, loving shepherd of God's people. But he does give some advice in this passage. And let's look what he says in verse 26. Because of the present crisis, I think it is good. Notice the tentativeness. I think, you know, my opinion is that it's good for you to remain as you are. If you're married, are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Then don't look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. Now those verses sound like a real killjoy. It sounds like the Apostle Paul is saying, I don't want you to get married. But if you do get married, ha-ha, you're going to suffer for it because you didn't follow my advice. You see, there's a, there's a part of our old nature that automatically reads the Word of God and jumps to a conclusion. I knew God wanted to get me. And that's just the opposite from what those verses are trying to communicate. Notice he says, first of all, there's a present distress. The Apostle Paul was writing this book from Ephesus, very possibly. The Apostle Paul himself almost got caught in a riot. They filled Ephesus Stadium. 
And they were not there to watch the Dallas Cowboys play or the Ephesian Tigers to play. They were there to gobble Christians. The whole city was uptight because the Apostle Paul was used by the Spirit to generate such a revival that it threw the whole idolatrous system of the economy into disarray. And the people of Ephesus were furious about it, and they were ready to tear Christians apart. Now, I want to ask you a question. It's persecution time. You're, you're very possibly, you could be arrested during this next week, and you could be brought before a trial, and they could challenge you. You deny Christos as the Lord, as the Messiah. You say, I do not believe in Jesus. I will bow. I will worship Caesar. And if you don't do that, you're going to be fed to the lions. You're going to become kennel ration for lions. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is it easier to face that challenge as a single, without a wife, without children, or married? You see, it's hard for us to enter into that wavelength because we as American believers have not faced, for the most part, that kind of tribulation. But there's many sections of the world, and I would like you to know, believers, that we live in the 20th century, which has seen more persecution of born-again believers than any other century. We must never forget that. Believers down in Central America, Arvid and Nancy Westfall, worked among the Mosquito Indians that have been persecuted unbelievably. Many believers that have been killed. Arvin can tell you about dear friends of his that went to reach what they thought was another group of people and they turned out to be a rebel group and those believing men that sought to bring the gospel to another group of people were taken and tortured and murdered brutally. Now when you're facing that kind of stress, it's easier to face it single than married. Now, Paul did not give that advice because he wanted to cast a burden on anyone. It just is a wise, skillful principle that if it's going to be a challenge of persecution, it's better not to have family entanglements. But I want you to see, even under that kind of distress, even under that kind of pressure, the Apostle Paul would not let anyone say if you marry under these conditions, you've sinned. Now, this is a way of thinking that a lot of us have a lot of trouble with. You see, there was a party in Corinth that was counseling all the young people not to get married. And if they got married, it was sinful. They could live a much holier life. They could live a much more pleasing life to the Savior if they didn't get married. And it sounded really spiritual. It sounded like that was the group that had a handle on the will of God. And the Apostle Paul had a very difficult job to do. He wanted to communicate to them that, yes, in light of the present stress, it might be better not to have the entanglement of a family. But he goes on to correct that negative view that wanted to make that an absolute, make it morally binding, make it wrong to get married. And even under persecution, the Apostle Paul said, if you get married, you haven't sinned. You're going to have trouble if you face persecution. It will add to the stress of your life. But it's not wrong. And that brings us back to what he taught us earlier in the chapter, that God has given different gifts. Some are gifted. They can be single. 
Some are not gifted that way, and they can't even be single under times of distress and persecution. And you have that marvelous balance in the Apostle Paul. A very wise principle, a practical approach to life, but all of us know that have been involved in romantic love for someone, that it's not reasonable. It's not just A plus B equals C. It's not like one of Sam's math classes. Sometimes there's just unbelievably strong desires. The beautiful thing about the Word of God is it doesn't deny those desires. And it says even in a time of distress, even if you're going off to war, even if you might lose your life, if you really want to get married, it's not sinful if you do. And you have that marvelous balance, wise advice, but not a yoke of control. But Paul's honest and says if you do choose to get married in a time of stress, in a time of persecution, there will be, there will be intense pressures that come upon you. The other thing I want you to see from this is that we're dealing with a church who had people who for the cause of Christ would choose to be single. Now, for American believers, that's tough. And we have a tendency to feel, contrary to the Roman Catholic tradition, which has had a tendency to pick up on this passage and make all of their spiritual leaders be single, Protestantism has tended to react the other way, and we almost distrust the single. I've been in some situations where a man that wants to be like a youth pastor or wants to be a pastor, an associate pastor, if he's single, when the guy goes out of the room, everyone will sit around and goes, I wonder if he'll be pure. I wonder if we can trust him with our girls. And in Protestantism, there's almost an underlying distrust of the single. I want to warn us about that. That's wrong. That's wrong. Because this passage is telling us that there's going to be some in the family of God that the Lord gives a gift. They can control their sexual desires. They are very dependable. But because they don't have the entanglements of family, maybe it will be even for a period of years, maybe five or ten years, they'll be able to give themselves to a very selective ministry by making the choice to be single. Let's praise that individual. Let's accept that individual. Let's provide family in an extended way for that individual. And let's be careful of a residual evil distrust that will hurt that person instead of strengthening them. And that's the balance of this passage as we study it together. There is a place in the family of God for singles as well as marrieds. And I am glad for the emphasis Dave placed on this as we conclude today's study titled, Free to Care, Not to Worry. I hope that all of you who are single will deeply be encouraged by hearing about the special opportunity this station in life gives you to serve God in a very special way. I trust that you won't feel like a second-class citizen in the family of God but that your enjoyment of God might heal any loneliness and the task He has for you will give you the deepest satisfaction. To those who have the gift of marriage, we pray you will love God together and that in times of trouble you will cling to one another and Christ's promise 
to give you the gift of love. Dave will be going on with a discussion of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32 and following on our next broadcast, which present the Apostles' secret of a worry-free life. Why not invite a friend to listen in? This has proved to be a non-offensive way to help others get under the influence of God's Word.